I've always been like someone who cares a lot about mental health. You know, I don't think anyone should have to feel like the world is turned against them, especially in their job and workplace. So the combat that I thought it'd be interesting to start sending letters of support to anybody who needed it. Welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising black, indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Dozalanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamura Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Kayla Knight Trial. She is a black artist working in Atlanta, Georgia. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Hi, thank you so much for bringing me on. Uh, as you said, my name is Kayla Knight Trial. I have worked in prop design, a little bit of character, a little bit of background, a little bit of everything. I am currently living a bit west in Atlanta, so I'm kind of near the studios in Atlanta downtown. I have a lovely little golden retriever puppy named Stella, a cool, talented husband named Kenneth Trial. And yeah, I just love to do art and I love the animation industry and I'm really happy to be on this podcast. Beautiful introduction. Well, the way <laughs> we like you. to start off <laughs> on Straight Ahead is by playing a fun little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices, and you have to choose in between the two of them, and then let us know why. Okay. Great. Awesome. I'll start us off with the first question. Which wacky cartoon world would you rather be a part of? The amazing world of Gumball or the wonderful world of Mickey Mouse? That's so hard. (laughs) That's such a hard question. Dang. They're both pretty insane. Yeah, yeah. They're like really pushing cartoon, right? (laughs) Mm-hmm. I think that Amazing World of Gumball reminds me of like my siblings. Mm. So I'm pretty much like Gumball and Darwin, and I'm always causing like these fun, insane situations. But the Amazing World of Mickey Mouse, if I'm saying that correctly, is uh-huh. totally me and my husband. Yeah, like, <laughs> all the jokes where it's just like Mickey's like, "That's my girlfriend." That's totally Kenneth. <laughs> and I think I would like to live in a world where we're like us but everything's like exaggerated so probably the mickey mouse world (laughs) yeah i think that's that's a good point like amazing world of gumball is a little bit more obviously like on the kids side but even though the wonderful world of mickey mouse is like it's still on disney and like quote-unquote made for kids but like it's definitely more of that geared towards older people almost when they like go on a date and like Minnie falls over or whatever and mickey's like yeah (gasps) yeah exactly that's like one of our favorite jokes or like there's a joke in that show where the house was like alive and he was making Mm -hmm. like a dessert for his girlfriend and the machine like threw away his bowl that he was mixing to make like cookies Mm -hmm. and the expression on his face was like total disappointment and anguish and being like what did he just do like he was about to fight him but then again (laughs) the jokes in amazing world of gumball are so dirty sometimes like it's insane there was this one joke where the balloon is talking about how important it is to eat vegetables so as he's talking he shoves an eggplant up inside of him. Oh my god. (laughs) And all the other characters were like very traumatized as so the audience. If you were in the wonderful world of Mickey Mouse, what kind of animal person would you be? 
It's funny because it's almost like asking what my spiritual animal would be. And sure. I've always imagined being like a brown bear, but like mm, a sweet one. That's and so maybe cute. one that's like always trying to fit in, maybe despite oh. being so large and grisly. <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah, that's really cute. I like that a lot. I tricked you. It's your persona now. It's my persona. Yeah, we're gonna D and D with this character. <laughs> oh, that's right. We did play D and D, and you did play like a druid who turned into a bear. Yeah, I did. That happened. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I had a goblin character who turned into a bear. So that was my epic move, guys. It was really cool. All right. Well, we'll get into this last question then. Would you rather fight crime as a supercharged Powerpuff Girl? or as a member of the bird team from Bird Girl? Ooh, you know, it's funny because if I were to think about the action between one or the other, I feel like the Powerpuff Girls work better as a unit and they throw down harder than the characters in Bird Girl. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's like a different <laughs> scale of the, the villains that they fight, basically. Mm-hmm. I would say the outfits in Powerpuff Girls is cuter. Mm. And <laughs> I I feel more nostalgic with that like world, so I think I'd be a Powerpuff Girl. Oh, yeah. cute. nice! I really like when they introduced the older sister. I know it didn't really yeah. hit too hard with the audience, but relating to like a brown colored character who's like the big sister was totally me in that situation. So mm. it was really nice to like put myself in there. I actually have a couple designs of like me as a Powerpuff girl with my shield. So I think I would want to be like a knight type because of my last name, maybe. Hey. Totally being married, but I think that's how I would approach that world and fighting that. style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank you. What would your color be? And would you rename yourself because they all start with a B, right? Oh, right. I don't, I don't think I want to be Bela. You know, Kayla, <laughs> beautiful woman. <laughs> yeah, I think my color will be orange because that's what my color is in the redesign that I did with my pink shield. My favorite color is yellow, but I just felt like it fit better with orange. So, yeah, that's what my color would be. Cute. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. That was in between. Thanks so much for playing with us, Kayla. Hopefully you had some fun there. Oh, yeah. No, I was cracking up and like tearing up right now. So thank you so much. (laughs) That was a really good game. Let's start off by talking about what you're currently working on. You just wrapped at Bento Blocks as a prop designer and are currently freelancing for an independent project. Could you talk to us a little bit about what you're currently doing right now? Yes. So um, I connected with this writer who's been sitting on just a lot of children's poems. I read a lot of them and it really touched my heart. So when I initially approached him, he wanted to have like a stop motion animation. And I knew that he didn't know a lot about, you know, the animation process. So Mm -hmm. I introduced some more cost efficient ideas that were still in a bracket of being stop motion. So I thought of maybe coming up with an idea that does like 2D animation, but it's paper stop motion. Mm -hmm. But just to tell you about the overall feeling I get from the project, it's totally different than working, of course, for a designer animation studio like Box. I think when I initially approached this project, I was feeling kind of down because I really wanted to jump back into like another studio, but I needed a break from Bento Box just for a little bit because the working pace there is super fast. 
Mm -hmm. Um, I just needed time to wind down, but I still wanted to work. And man, working for his name is Chris. I don't want to say his last name, but he was just so sweet. And the idea of making his dreams come true is like the first for me. I, I haven't had that feeling of being like, wow, for the past, like, Several years of me just training to be this animation person and knowing everything about the industry and knowing how to do these different animation parts of the production, like design and 2D animating. It really makes me feel awesome about myself. And, you know, a lot of people in the industry get kind of like overwhelmed and they don't know if what they're doing really matters. If I'm, you know, just speaking from my point of view, but... I'm happy to take this break, but also it's not a break because I'm still working to just focus on seeing how far I can take this project with him and uh, seeing if we can impact some kids outlook on maybe bedtime or uh, making friends. And right now the poem I'm working on is called Santa's Tooth. So (laughs) one day I will show you guys that and I hope that you enjoy it. But it's about just a different outlook on this holiday. So it's really special and I'm really excited to have it done. And then once I have that experience of being able to directly impact someone's life through animation, I will jump back into another studio. That's wonderful. Thank you. That's really cool. How would you compare? Because again, when you're working at a studio like Bento Box or any like, you know, big animation studio, the schedule for deadlines and stuff is kind of already set up for you. And like, mm-hmm. you know, you have your assignments, your deadlines, you get it done when they tell you to. But when you're working on something like this, where it's more the person who's commissioning you or brought you on may not know too much about scheduling or like the pipeline. Mm-hmm. How do you feel now coming up with your own schedule and your own kind of deadlines on yourself to kind of keep the project moving forward? Like, how would you compare those experiences? It's funny because I originally entered the industry as being a PA. So mm-hmm. I was a production person who's all about schedules and making sure that what you're working on is super transparent to the client. So, and that my personality, I'm an open book. I can't keep secrets. So I was super (laughs) transparent about being like, hey, I don't think you can afford having a super expensive stop motion production. And I want to make a tracker for you on Google Documents so you know exactly what I'm working on. 24 seven. And I know that's a lot to give to someone who probably doesn't know much about the pipeline, Mm -hmm. but just doing my best to impress him and to show that like I'm a hard and serious worker. I think that he would continue to hire me if he's ever interested in having another production done by me. Um, But like I, like I said, it really depends on like the type of person you are, how good your time management skills are, and maybe your experience I couldn't imagine doing this type of freelance project before I worked at Awesome Inc. and Bento Box because I think that the idea of like harsh deadlines were really ingrained mm-hmm. on me. And you can't even experience that as an intern. You have to work at a studio to get that feeling of, whoa, this assignment's due tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I have to get my butt in gear hop on that project and do it as fast as I can. So that type of adrenaline is still in my system when I'm working for this guy. So yeah, I got to do things as fast as possible, but also want to take my time to make designs that really matter and are really showing like his feeling of like warmth and connection. Mm, Totally. Mm -hmm. How did you get in contact with this client? 
I was on this website called Upwork and mm. they have a lot of like freelance opportunities, but it's a lot of people just like, Hey, I have this great children's book idea. And I'm wondering if someone can connect with me to help me approach it. How do I even make a book? I need an artist. It's funny because I wasn't a big fan of Upwork in the beginning. I didn't really know how to use it. But then my husband was like, okay, you have to have a portfolio like right there. You have to have a cover letter right by your name and have a great headshot to even get like people to look your way. So then that's what I did. And right away, I connected with Chris. So it's funny, you know, just so I can give people a heads up about Upwork is that you're going to meet a lot of people that don't really understand how much effort it is to create even like a piece of art, like a drawing, mm-hmm. because there's people who would be like, Hey, I'm interested in having an animation for $5. And I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. So I have this idea for this short film. You think you could get it done like in a week? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, sir. Unless you're willing to pay me a lot, then um, I guess I'm not going to be sleeping for a week. <laughs> I will pay you on the amount of $20. Yeah, for real. Uh, It'll be good exposure for you. No, exactly. Oh my God, exposure. If I don't want to dig a hole so deep to get away from that word, that makes me want to cry right now. But that's the downside of being a freelance person. Mm. You know, I'm not that experienced, guys. I've only been working in industry for two years. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that after, you know, having a lot more experience, you can freelance directly for bigger projects. Right now, I'm just like kind of fishing for people who have enough money. I'm always mindful, you know, if they really want to make something come true and they can't afford it, I try to work within their price range, but I also have to explain to them why it is, how much it is, you know, Mm -hmm. and how much time I'm putting into everything. So if you guys are interested in, you know, the world of freelance, just know it's a tough road, but just get through it and try to find decent, genuine people. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned earlier that you've been working in this industry for about two years now. What is something that you have learned so far working in the world of animation? There's a lot of things that I've learned about actually working for a studio, but it's weird because it's not as crazy as I thought it would be. When I was a student, a lot of college professors were like very pessimistic they were like, it's going to be hard for you. You're not going to make it. I don't know why. I'm like, you're my professor. <laughs> <laughs> to you specifically? Yeah, you or specifically are like, 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 like the class. Like the class. Oh, as a class. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. I was going to be like, wow, they really came after you. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's just pretty much like, you know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be ruthless. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people in the animation industry are so sweet. That's something I learned is that if you reach out to people in this industry, there's like a... 70% chance that they will reach out back to you or they will be nice and kind of let you know, answer your questions, things like that. But I also learned that one year in the animation industry equals four years in college learning about animation. Yep. Uh, that real life experience does teach you more than any book can or any professor can. Um, you just pick up on a lot of things, things like every production is different. So a production at Awesome Inc. might be in terms of like how the producer approaches the project, completely different than like the tracking system, um, the amount of people on your team at Bentlebox. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to continue to learn new and more in-depth things about the industry as I go forward. And I continue to work even as a freelancer and at studios or small studios, things like that. Totally. So you mentioned earlier that you kind of got your start in the industry as a PA, as a production assistant, and you were actually working as a production assistant on Bird Girl 
before transitioning into prop design on the same show, what was it like landing your first industry job at Awesome Inc? And how did you make that transition happen for you? <laughs> uh, so I have to go back to SCAD. <laughs> <laughs> yes, take us back. The story starts as me as a senior at SCAD. And we have this thing called Career Fair. So a lot of people who are interested in just recruiting comes to this event. It's super high stress for the students. Everybody's on like in their best suit with their best portfolio. Right, right, right. There was this event called Commotion. And it's an event run by the Mommy Love students at SCAD. They're motion designers. They're not animators. They're more graphic design, but they're really skilled at... Um, using After Effects and making like animated logos mm-hmm. and that style of like motion graphics is like those commercials that have the very flat 2D look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had this very discreet insider event called Commotion. And I knew that some of the best industry people go to that event. They just do a great job. So I am complimenting Momi Love. They do a great job setting up their event. I think even better than Career Fair because it's just... Smaller group of students talking more personally Mm. to some of the companies that travel way down to Savannah to meet with students. And they really try their best to only extend this event to people who major in motion graphics. I major in animation, but I really want to meet (laughs) these people. So what did I do? I volunteered to be a busy bee at their interviewing step one commotion event. So I was a volunteer and I asked the president, hey, since I'm volunteering, can I have an interview? Because I set up part one of Commotion to be interviews with students. And they said yes. So Awesome Inc. was there. And I was, you know, making sure I looked my best. And I'm talking to a lot of people. And I'm like carrying drinks to, you know, pass Awesome Inc. Because they had their own worker. And then I interviewed with them. And they were like, do you know how to do tracking. And I was like, yeah, do you know how to use a tube of harmony? And I was just really familiar with all the things they're asking me about. And I can tell that they were getting excited during my interview. Mm-hmm. And that was making me feel awesome because I was like, cool. I, I, I feel like I aced this interview. Yeah. But if you know how to ace the interview, you know that it takes more to grab their attention because everybody at SCAD was talented and I knew that. So I was like, what else can I do to grab their attention? There was an after party for the event, which was pretty sick. And but this one was <laughs> way more exclusive. They were like checking emails that you had to be a major in motion graphics. But me and my best friend, Derrico, we were the first people at this restaurant that they had booked. And I remember showing my email and they were like, hey, is your invite to the after party? You know, show me your email. And I did. And it was my volunteer email. She didn't really check. I was the first person there, by the way. And <laughs> I got through. But then my friend, Derrick, she showed her volunteer email. And the lady who stopped her, she was like, this is your volunteer email. This is not an invite. Do you major in motion graphics? This is only for Momi Love people. And she was like freaking out because I was like turning around to look at her. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I got in. I'm going to be the only person here right away. Uh-huh. But... My friend was also like a dope badass, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Like she is also in the game. She knew the president for Momi Love because she's done a lot of projection mapping for them as a game designer. Mm-hmm. So she's totally oh. not even like in a world of animation, but she knew the president and the president was like, Hey, what's up? Like she was passing as that commotion was happening. And the person who's checking our emails was like, this person's not a Momi Love student. And the president said, well, do you minor in motion graphics, Derrico? And she said, yeah, I do, I think. And the person was like, yeah, you do. And she's like, yes, I do. And she said to the lady who's checking people at the door, don't do this for any other student. You can let Derrico in. So we're the only two non-Momi people at that after party. And Asamink was there, you know, the president of the company. And me and her, we got the biggest, nicest table by the window because we were the first people there. We put up our snacks and our tape, like our bags. So we had that table to ourselves. And the moment we saw Ashley and Craig, we were like, hey, guys, uh, do you want any drinks? Like we were getting them food and we brought them to the table and we just totally talked to them for the rest of the night. It was an amazing opportunity to just let them know who we were as a person, not as like an interviewee. So it was really nice. I felt like I made a good impression, but then I was still in my brain. I'm like, this isn't enough. What else can I do? So then comes the big day career fair. The one thing seniors hate (laughs) to think about. I was also the first person there. I'm an early bird. You wake up at 3 a.m. if you want to get things done. When it comes to career So me and my friends, we woke up super early. We went to the other side of the river in Savannah where this big career fair was happening. And I could have lined up first for Disney that was there. I could have lined up first for a really big studio. Bento Box was there. But the first person I go to was Awesome Inks Booth. I was the first person they talked to. And it was a different person. It wasn't the president. It was a guy named Brendan, who's a VP of production at the company. And I was just telling him how I met Ashley, the president, and Craig, the head designer. And I told him that I had a good time. And funny enough, I was going to show him my portfolio. Mm -hmm. And then my computer had a Windows update right before I was about to show him. So I had nothing to show him. But then he Uh, was like, you know what? I don't even want to see your work. Like, I didn't tell him that my computer was, like, messing up. He didn't even want to see my work. He just wanted to talk to me. Like, he was like, what's your experience? Like... How do you think you compare as other PAs? Um, what's your, you know, mm-hmm. and I just talked to him and that was way better than me trying to show him all the art that I've done. It was just a good opportunity to be like, I know about the setup. I've done multiple student films. I was their producer and please hire me <laughs> just without saying it. Just be like, I am qualified. And then once again, I was like, this is enough. What else can I do? <laughs> And then after everything that happened, I sent thank you letters to top it off. I don't even know if they ever read them, but a couple months after that event, before I graduated, I got a job as a PA for Awesome Inc. Did they reach out to you or did you apply? I applied, but they reached out to me and they were like, hey, I remember talking to you at Career Fair and would you like to work for us? And I remember being on a Greyhound going to see Kenneth. We had a long distance relationship at the time where he lived in Orlando working for Disney. And I would go on an eight hour bus to see him all the time, like every other weekend. And I remember being on a bus with like, you know, this guy who's practically on my shoulder snoring and kicking me saying I got a job. (laughs) And I was like, this is so awesome. I'm so happy. Like, I want to make my parents proud. And 
I can't believe I'm, I'm going to be working for an animation studio. Like, this is so amazing. So, sorry, not to get mushy. No, no, <laughs> you totally deserve it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Thank you. It was a very lovely um, experience just being able to tell my friends and family, like, I got a job. Yeah. <laughs> In my industry, you know, when students talk, they get really nervous when they're seniors, like, can I actually do this? And, you know, you just have to keep trying and make things happen. Yeah. I mean, what do they say? Luck is more like when preparedness meets opportunity. Is that mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you yeah. totally like that story is the definition of it, right? Like you were prepared <laughs> and you were creating these opportunities for yourself. Like it was lucky that like, you know, certain events happened, right? That you guys volunteered and were allowed to be in the exclusive event. But like you made that happen. So like, yeah, good. Good for you. Like props. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Claps. Round of applause. So like, obviously, you're very qualified to be a production assistant, but how did you make that transition? Like you paved the way for yourself to become a prop designer. So like, how did you do that while you were working as a PA? That's another like insane thing that happened. Insane is my favorite word in this podcast, I guess, because I keep saying it, but (laughs) there's nothing better than having a producer that gives you like chances to prove yourself. Mm -hmm. I had this sweet guy I was working with named Josh Spencer and he just like, could tell I really cared to make an impression. And I did everything I could to be the best PA and go the extra mile. But I always really wanted to do art. And that's a funny thing too. When I was a SCAD student, I had a job as a special events coordinator. And then I became director of like events at SCAD. And I constantly was just working with people and schedules and calling vendors with studying. But sometimes I felt like my job took over my studies. So I didn't really have a lot of opportunities to just focus on character design and prop design, even though I spent four years there because the way SCAD teaches their students that you have to learn the whole production. You have to 3D animate, 2D animate. Mm -hmm. You have to learn how to rig 2D characters. You have to learn how to design. You have to know how to be a professional. You have to to know how to start your business Mm -hmm. instead of like specializing in something for like more than a couple months. Mm-hmm. They just ingrained everything into me. So just being a person who always loved to do artwork and draw, I saw an opportunity to talk to Josh and be like, hey, I noticed that we we're kind of don't have a lot of background designers. And is it possible for me to test to be a background designer? Just saying, you know, because I feel like I might have a little time around my PA duties. Is it possible to test? And he was like, sure. Yeah, you can test. So he gave me a test and he was actually super surprised. I knew how to draw. um so i showed the director rich uh, my my work and he was like yeah you know how to do art you know how to draw so he let me help out with backgrounds and actually started doing backgrounds for the show so i have Mm. a couple in episode one and then i noticed that we just didn't have a prop designer and i told josh hey can i help with some props you know, <laughs> I run my paperwork <laughs> until you find someone else. And he was like, yeah, sure. And I worked really closely with two awesome leads, Claire Almond and Beth Lewis. And they taught me what I needed to really pay attention to when it comes to color and just having the setup right. And it's funny because, you know, I already knew how to do that because I was setting up assignments for other artists as a PA. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I just jumped into doing props. And then sometimes they needed help with character. And Josh was like, do you know how to do characters too? And I was like, 
I can if you need me to, you know, always say yes to anything <laughs> people offer you. Mm-hmm. So I tested to do some character stuff. I had to do like a mouth chart and a turnaround of the main character. And then I started helping with characters and I was the prop person. Like I, I did all the props for the show. We had another character designer help with a couple props in the beginning, but then I kind of took over that. And it was funny because everyone knew that I was kind of dipping my fingers in different departments. I remember... Bluetooth, which is our sound studio right next door, they needed someone to do scratch. And then I was like, I can help with scratch. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, the adult swim company in California heard my scratch and they were like, who's this person doing scratch? They sound like a voice actor. And that made my heart <laughs> explode. And I was Aww. like, okay. I was like, oh, I want to do that again. But I don't know anything about being a voice actor. But I was like, I'll stick to props. But that was a really fun experience. Just having like the headphones in and me being in like a pillow room. Mm-hmm. And me being like to Michael, who's the president of Bluetooth, being like, hey, can you see me in here? And he's like, no. And I'm like, okay, because when I'm going to voice act, I'm going to move my body because that's the only way I can like voice act. And he was like, yeah, do your thing. And I had to say MF. That was funny. I had to scream like motherfucker. <laughs> and I told him, I never said this out loud so hard. And he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, it's okay. And I grabbed him. I was like, you mother, you know, just like totally said it. And uh, so, so many cute. fun experiences at Awesome Inc. And then I, I've never done work as good as I did at Awesome Inc. You know, like I super pushed myself to like find the best reference and sketch things out a ton of times really fast, but then really get like land the good design. For sure. And just, you know, to, to give any advice to anyone who feels like they can't do the job, but just jump into it and do the best you can. But also I was just supported by people who are willing to lend a hand. I met so many great people. You know, I, I was able to steal Yuki away from California and bring her <laughs> into the team. I used to do this thing as a PA where when I was looking through applications, if I found people that really like spoke out to me or they had like really amazing work, I'll put them in a newsletter and be like, hey, Brandon, VP of production at Awesome Inc., you should look at this person really closely. And I remember putting Yuki in twice. <laughs> After I got hired, we went out for lunch. I was like, Kayla, you landed me my job. Like, thank you so much. I applied and then like, after a month and a half or something about not hearing anything, I was like, it was probably a dead end. Kayla was like, hey, send a follow-up email. I'm about to like show you off to my boss. And I was like, oh, okay. Did that. And I was like, you know, got the interview, got the job. I came to Georgia and I was like, Kayla, let's go to lunch. Like, I owe you one for sure. We went to lunch and then Kayla was explaining to me all of this like hoops and like webs (laughs) that she weaved of like, doing this thing like every week she picked the top 10 artists or whatever and then also put my portfolio in and was like bonus artist like yuki and like did that (laughs) multiple times i had no idea this was happening like behind the scenes and and then she yeah no she like i was like kayla you made this happen i was like you didn't have to do all of this stuff. I owe you way more than one lunch. Excuse me. No, I shy. <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, anyway, I, I truly treasure that. And like when people say, you know, make meaningful connections, that that'll help you down the line. It's so true. Kayla really like what a true hoe. <laughs> I, 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 
I mean, I just didn't know a lot of really talented animators, but I just remembered your wrestling test. And so I was naciente. like, she's so good. She needs to uh, be here. So Yuki's a beast. <laughs> I was only like the bridge and you carried yourself the rest of the way. I promise you through your work. Um, and he recognized <laughs> that. So <laughs> anyway, thank you, Kayla. Let's let's move on with your interview. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So kind of keep moving forward, again, with what you were kind of just talking about. It just really seemed like you are such a go-getter. And not only that, but you make your own opportunities. And honestly, that's a really great thing that you do. And that's something that other people should kind of take notice of that. Because, like, oftentimes you shouldn't wait for opportunities to come your way. Sometimes you have to make out and create your own. We were talking about you and Yuki what was your most cherished production intern experience when you were interning at Cartoon Network on Powerpuff Girls and Tiggy Seek besides meeting and befriending Yuki? Well, I mean, Yuki was one of the better parts of no. Cartoon Network. Our intern group was like rock stars. I will say, yeah, someone who I met at Cartoon Network said that our intern group was like one of the best intern groups. So many of my experiences working have felt like an adventure. And I remember when I first got out to California, I didn't know where to stay. So I reached out to my uncle and he lived two hours away from the studio. So I stayed with him. And every morning I would take a bus two hours to the studio and it felt like a movie every time just meeting people on the bus. And they're like, so where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to work for Cartoon Network. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, for the Powerpuff Girls, you know, just like really nerding them out. <laughs> and they're like, well, you're going to make it, girl, you know, Aww. just being black with other black people be like yeah girl you got this you're gonna make it you're gonna be the one to make it you're now my cousin and i'm like yeah i'm your cousin <laughs> <laughs> i love that Precious. one of my favorite memories of cartoon network is really the people there's something about cartoon network that make that fills everybody with magic and everyone loves each other like the two people that i worked under was adrian lee and joni wegner they just love talking about all the crazy shenanigans they've been up to working at Cartoon Network. And once again, they showed me the ropes. I always had people who are so loving and able to just take the time to teach me things. Mm-hmm. But my most cherished memory was when Adrian took me out to dinner my last week at Cartoon Network. And she just wanted me to have a dinner that was expensive. So... Something that really was so crazy because it's like God showing me signs. Someone I really look up to, my high school teacher, Mr. Lemmy Hugh, he was always like, I I think I was kind of his favorite, but he was like, (laughs) uh, he always wished for his students, you know, working as a teacher who super cared and he would make stars out of students, you know, but he also worked at like kind of like a low income neighborhood, you know, so a lot of students come from backgrounds where they didn't have a lot. He would always tell us, one day you guys need to spend $100 on a dinner, you know? Just, I just want you guys to have that experience. Just be able to have, like, a juicy steak that costs way too much. Mm-hmm. And I, I never had that. So Adrienne was like, you love crab legs. Crab legs is your favorite food, right? And I was like, yeah. So she took me to a restaurant where I had crab legs and a steak. And she paid for everything. And I know it was so expensive. <laughs> and I was so full from the appetizers already. And the person she was with was really sweet. And, you know, she told me that I was a good worker. You know, she was giving me validation. Mm -hmm. And I felt like so much stuff was lifted off my shoulders that moment, that night that I had that expensive dinner. And I met this really lovely person in the industry. So when I look back at Cartoon Network, it looks like 
in my head, like a music video, the times that our intern group was eating barbecue <laughs> on the rooftop and drawing on the walls, going down the stairs from the rooftop, going out to eat, talking with Adrian during lunchtime, working, seeing all the archives of these beautiful Powerpuff Girls storyboards. That one time that we had beer in the middle of the day on a Thursday, because it was Thursday <laughs> beer day. Yeah. So I'm like, what? <laughs> Everyone just drinks at work. Like, how is this? I want to work here forever, but it's so competitive to work there. But yeah. I'm like, one day I want to go back. But I will say the people are the best part because they just loved each other. They wanted to create that workplace culture where everyone was supportive of each other. I never felt uncomfortable there. And I hope that a lot of other companies can follow suit when it comes to just encouraging a workplace where people support each other. Beautiful. Thank you. I love that. Yeah. That's such a great experience. I, l- I love that you were able to have that. Uh, one thing that I kind of want to bring up is that you have started sending letters of support and motivation to any girl who has an interest in animation. What made you want to start that? When I first worked for Bento Box, I was under a lot of stress. The workload was just a bit more than I was used to. And a lot of people... Well, like a lot of my friends who are just entering the industry for the first time was telling me kind of like horror stories that they're dealing with just being a woman in the industry. Mm-hmm. It was really depressing. And I've always been like someone who cares a lot about mental health. You know, I don't think anyone should have to feel like the world is turned against them, especially in their job mm-hmm. and workplace. Yeah. So it was very specifically women in animation that I felt like was I was hearing a lot of scary stories about them being harassed or them feeling like they weren't as good as their coworkers because of their gender. That's so ridiculous. You know, like, ah, it really irks me. I remember watching this movie where I think it's the Beekeeper movie where the girl is saying that she wears her heart on her sleeve and that's why she's always getting like affected by things. So when someone tells me that something bad happened to them in a workplace. I just like, it really knocks me down a peg. So the combat that I thought it'd be interesting to start sending letters of support to anybody who needed it. So uh, I plan to keep growing this. I hope that I can do it for the rest of my life. To anyone who feels like they just need a little bit of motivation. For example, I know I keep bringing out Yuki. She wrote (laughs) me a thank you letter when we worked as interns. And that's something I keep on my desk alongside a lot of other different letters people have sent me. Because every time I look at it, it just reminds me that I just need to keep moving forward because things will get better. And I started designing stickers. And, you know, it's all free. I don't ever want anyone to ever pay for it. And I just send out a letter talking about why I think that they're worth it and that you're beautiful and that you just need to keep drawing and becoming better and learning. And that's all you need to do is just try your best. So once again, I hope that I can always, you know, keep my letter inventory and stamp inventory high so I can send letters. I'm actually, (laughs) thank you for bringing this up because I think in the month of June, next month, I'm going to be promoting a lot of stickers that I just sent out for print. And I'm going to be marketing uh, send a letter to send to your friends. So not only do I want to do this for other people, I want other people to start sending letters to their friends and people in the industry, because I think that this will lead to having even more women who support each other and love each other as animators. So when I send you a sticker and a letter, I'll send an extra postcard that you can keep to one day send to anybody you wish to send it to. Oh, Kayla. <laughs> yeah. 
Hopefully you guys got a letter. Hopefully you guys found it really touching and hopefully it did motivate you and to kind of keep going and to kind of fight through the struggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. When also quick background stuff for people that are curious, we send out some questionnaires to our guests so we can get familiar with them more. And when uh, Kayla wrote this, I'm like, okay, I really want to know more about this. I really want to know why she started this. And like, it comes from such a genuine place. And sometimes people need some kind of moral support. And I'm glad that you're offering that to those, even those that you don't even know, which is, I think it's even more impactful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had people reach out and say things like, hey, is it possible for me to get one? I'm like, it's not possible. It's a definite. You're definitely getting one. Thank you for reaching out to me. <laughs> you know how important it is for someone to even do that? Like to reach out is so hard for people to do sometimes. And I was really grateful for even that one person to reach out. And also, this just is not limited to women in animation. I mean, of course, I care about focusing on girls because I am a girl. But if you feel like you're not supported in an industry because you're a transgender or you're a guy who just doesn't fit in and you want to be the type of person who supports other people, also reach out to me. And I'm always trying to understand just more things about how to like morally support other people. So I created a become an ally sticker. And I feel like that's also a good way to just be like, hey, I just want to support a girl in an animation industry. So something else that I kind of want to talk about, again, this being a podcast about spotlighting rising Black, Indigenous, and people of color voices. For you, do you think your cultural background plays a role in your identity as an artist? I would say definitely yes. You know, I wish I had more stories that were focused on just being a Black girl. I don't right now. Actually, I have a couple. But I also think that any type of story that I write and any type of character I breathe life into always reflects me because of my past experiences. So if one day I can create a story that a lot of people who have similar backgrounds as me can relate to, that's like I can die peacefully. I know that's very morbid for me to say, but that's like the biggest dream for me is to be able to have like a little kid be like, oh my God, that's me. And man, I relate. Uh, And I know that's a lot of people's dream as a creator to just have like a story where they have representation. But I also think that, you know, just being a black designer, sometimes it's hard to just relate and some of my experiences have been really hard. I've had the struggles, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just remember feeling like I wasn't going to be able to be in the industry. Mm-hmm. I felt like I couldn't afford college and my dad wanted the best for me. You know, he was like, maybe you should be an engineer. But I was like, I don't want to be not happy. <laughs> right. I want to do artwork. I want to be in animation because I want to breathe life into drawings. That I remember saying that. But I had very supportive parents. And just to like kind of give you a background of like how I grew up, we moved to Georgia when I was 12 or 11 mm-hmm. from Los Angeles. Actually, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, oh, wow. um, but we didn't have any family in Georgia when we moved. We didn't know anybody. So we didn't understand just like the norms of Georgia. And it was just really hard for us to adopt. So we started like really hitting financial walls. And it seemed like for my family, bad luck just seemed to jump out to us from every corner. 
But no matter what, we were like the most optimistic people. And we knew that if we had each other, nothing else mattered. Mm-hmm. So my dad was like, if you really want to be an artist, okay, I'll support your dreams. And I wanted to go to this high school called Steelwell that was on the other side of the county. It wasn't my home school. But if I auditioned to be at that visual arts and performing high school, they would send a bus to my home school to pick me up and drive me all the way to the county. Wow. The only problem was I didn't have, we didn't have a car. So it was almost impossible for us to even get to that high school. And the only way I can get to the other side of the county was by taking this like shady early morning van because there was no buses in my neighborhood. Uh-huh. Like the the Atlanta Metro just wasn't a thing when I was in high school. Oh, wow. And my dad and me would wake up at like 4.30 in the morning. I'll get ready for school. At 5 a.m. he would walk me blocks down to the pickup point. And this van had like a broken door. And just <laughs> oh, no. jam-packed with people who needed to go to work early morning. Uh-huh. And the route was that they always had to go to the Atlanta airport first before making it way to my school. So that means I was in the van for like two hours. And I would still get to school super early. So every school day for me started off with me being like super sleepy and working on my homework in a cafeteria and there's like no one there and just drawing and me being like, man, I'm so sleepy. But that was every day for me. And, you know, I had my Mr. Lemmy supported me and I had a counselor named Miss Stanfield who would always give me stuff. Like if I needed clothes or food, she would always be there for me. And, you know, I just felt like it didn't fit in just because of the things I had to deal with. But I, no matter what, I had the people who supported me and I always tried to do my best. So especially during the time when I started working for Bento Boss and Awesome Inc., Mm -hmm. there were so many scary stories on the news about like Black Lives Matter. And I felt like it was really freaking me out, you know, and people at work were talking about they weren't really direct. But, you know, you kind of like overhear people's opinions about you know, police stuff. And, and then you have to put your foot out there and and talk about why you care about the things you care about, you know, and be like, this is important. And it's important for you guys to know why being like a black artist is, you know, sometimes harder Mm -hmm. for us to work in a situation where we hear like so many bad things on the news. And I can relate so hard to, you know, all the Asian Americans dealing with the same situation where they're receiving a lot of hate just because of something that happened. So Once again, just to put it out there, if you see someone who needs a helping hand, just be there and listen to them. And I'm sure it will make everything better. If you could just take the time to like really connect with your coworkers who have, you know, colored backgrounds and who come from overseas. And I'm sure that they've had some wild stories and getting it off their chest will just mean so much for them and giving them opportunities to just share their story and create authentic characters, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be crazy. That'll be that'll make like the best stories, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, Sorry no, if I course. got too personal there. But. No, it's good. <laughs> no, yeah, you're totally right that. about it. I totally connect with that. Like you're saying, I feel like it doesn't happen as much, obviously, in the Asian American community. But like when there was that shooting recently for yeah here in Atlanta. I got really freaked out. I mean, I like don't even leave my house because of the pandemic. But mm-hmm. like, I it's still I didn't know those people, but the fact that like they were targeted for just being Asian. I'm an Asian American. Mm -hmm. It just like really shook me. And I think like, of course, I'm in support of Black Lives Matter. But like really in that moment, I was like, this is what it must feel like to hear this kind of news, like Mm -hmm. almost every day, like 
you know, especially yeah. since so much attention is on it. And I'm like, so stressful. Like, even in the safety of my own home, I don't feel safe. Yeah. And that's really rough. It's kind of sometimes hard to focus on what's in front of you when yeah. you hear stories like that. You know, you're falling in love with these characters. And like, you know, when they do like Disney remakes and they cast like a black person as the main character and everybody's really upset about it. Yeah. You don't really even know how to feel about when you create stories with characters who reflect who you are and your skin color. But I even don't really have an answer for that. I'm just going to push through the negativity and present ideas I feel like matter and they're fun and creative and... That's all that matters. Like even with Bird Girl, when the show came out, which was super awesome to watch, Mm -hmm. there were so many negative comments. They're like, oh, this looks like cheap animation. And Mm -hmm. oh, having a girl as a main character, like you guys are just having like a gender swap and, you know, of Harvey Birdman. And I'm like, no, she was in the last show. She's a badass female who could kick butt and run her own company. You know, like Mm -hmm. that's amazing. But you see... There was people who are also commenting like, whoa, Bird Girl's really cool. Like, yeah, it kind of reminds me of me. You know, people who are like (laughs) excited about it. Honestly, I was expecting the bad comments. It was an adult swim Mm. show, so it's a bunch of degenerates or whatever watching. Yes. (laughs) So I was like, ah, whatever, these troll comments, who cares? Honestly, whenever I see a positive comment, I'm like, it's so cute. (laughs) That feels so good. That that one positive comment just blocks out 10,000 bad comments. Like, I I don't know how. It just feels so good. Mm. I saw the pilot. The pilot was really good. Yeah, I, uh, thank you. I thought it was a lot of fun. There was some a lot of cute like moments. I love the little like when they're doing the blueprints and it becomes kind of yes, like baby or like that like yeah. I thought I thought that was so cute. And then uh, the logo too. The way you guys do the logo with the B and the G. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. thought it was super clever. I, I was like, when we saw the Bird Girl logo kind of later in the production. I was like. Oh man, this is going to be so epic when I see it on TV. <laughs> I can't wait. I want to make a t-shirt, bird girl t-shirt. I want to wear it every day, you know. Yeah, get me on that. <laughs> but, you know, just to like, you know, make full circle about it. Um, I'm so young, you know, like it's a weird thing to say, but I'm so fresh into the industry. No matter what, I'm always going to fight to have more diversity and quality in this industry and in our stories because... Mm-hmm. We need to have more black girls being cool people in cartoons, definitely. Um, And, you know, I'm going to draw a story one day where it's going to be a nerdy, buttery brown girl, because my friends call me buttery flaky flake. And (laughs) I'm going to have like, you know, a very range cast of different types of people. And but also just not going to be I'm like such a weird black girl, you know, I'm so nerdy and even though I've had like a lot of things thrown at me, I've always learned how to roll with the punches and try to be funny, you know, try to make sad stories into funny ones. But, you know, I'm going to have my Yuki sidekick there. We're going to be kicking butt, <laughs> you know, and hopefully a lot of people, little girls are relate, you know, even little boys, everybody. Mm-hmm. You touched on it a, a little bit already, but are there any other future aspirations that you have for yourself for this animation industry? I kind of started having this idea where I want to draw everything one time. As a prop designer, I started drawing like so many different cars and just like niche items, like designer cups and bags. And I'm like, is it possible before I die to draw every single thing? (laughs) And I'm like, a prop designer is probably a good way to go about it. Just drawing every single object first. And then let's see where we go from there. But also, I feel like everybody's dream is to just throw out one story, you know, sell one story, become a showrunner. That would be really awesome. But 
even if it means supporting someone else's dream and it, they end up coming up with a show that's very similar to something I would write, I would do that. But also if I could write one and make it a show, that would be really neat. Mm-hmm. I just hope that one day I'm like an old lady I see all these really cool ideas, you know, the industry has totally did a 180 on itself. All these new, interesting people, all colorful types of people, all cool stories. And hopefully it keeps changing and going in a positive direction in the future. As we come to a close, is there any final advice for those that want to pursue a career in the animation industry? Two things I've always lived by was just try your best. Any type of dream you have, just... Do anything you can do to make it happen, but also fake it till you make it is something I've heard a lot. That's something SCAD students use a lot. Try to envision the type of person you want to be and pretend to be that person. Mm. I was the type of person who, very shy, I would stutter a lot. I didn't know how to talk to people. Oh my God, really? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that does not come across. (laughs) You are so bubbly and energetic and lovely. Thank you. I mean, I'm blushing. (laughs) But I was the type of person that I just like, I used to wear a jacket all the time. My hair was in a ponytail Mm. and I had just like a limited number of friends. But then all of a sudden, you know, it was freshman year at SCAD, I got a job where I, my boss put me on a stage and a light shine and I just had to try to do it as best as I could. And then the next time I did it, I got a little bit better and a little bit better. And I was like, I want to be able to like connect with people. How do I make that happen? But my final piece of advice is don't be so hard on yourself if things don't happen right away. If you're someone who has just graduated from college and you're still like, haven't had that job that you want, you're a PA that wants to be a designer or you're a designer that wants to one day be a producer, just continue to reach out to people. Like I said, a lot of people in the industry are very nice. If you just send them an email saying, hey, I'm just really interested in knowing about the things that you do. I don't really have any idea of where to even look to know more about that. So just do your best to talk to people. And if you feel like... If giving up, do not give up. Keep going. Keep doing it. If you want to be an artist, you got to keep drawing every day and just try your best. And make it happen for yourself, just like Kayla. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm still working on myself, but I tend to one day really show for it. Mm-hmm. One day I'm going to be on a podcast when I'm 30. I'm going to be like, I did all these cool things. And yeah, you can look I'm back still on to this. better people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you want to plug? Yeah, so if you want to follow me on my Instagram, that's at K underscore P-K-A-Y. Direct message me on my Instagram. If you want to know more about the industry or you want to send letters to your friends or you want some free stickers, anything, reach out to me. And once again, thank you guys so much for bringing me on this podcast. It was so fun to talk to you guys. It's really fun to be able to reflect on everything Mm -hmm. that's happened. But I do enjoy thinking about becoming a more cool person in the animation industry. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you totally deserve it. Thank you so much for being on. If you enjoyed our interview with Kayla, please rate us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP and let us know your response to today's in-between questions. Or if you have any suggestions for future in-between questions, contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us. We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. Thank you to Ashley Itleong for editing this episode. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. 
Thanks again for listening. And thank you once again to our guest who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Bye.